So, how does it feel when you play Roll Up to Win with Tim Hortons? Buy a hot or cold beverage using the Tim's app and find out. Roll in the app for a chance to win prizes ranging from free coffee and donuts to a Universal Orlando Resort vacation or a sweet car. Oh, don't forget the TV. And this year, every roll is a shot at a $1,000 daily giveaway drawing for two $500 prizes. Roll up to win and get treated by Tim's. No purchase necessary. Account registration required. 50 US and DC 18 plus entered by 4223. See rules at rolluptowin.com for free entry of full details. Void in Florida and where prohibited. Okay, I am back with a bonus episode. So, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, early to you guys. This is going to be a bonus episode about some missing 411 cases. These have always interested me, and I really just wanted to go through them all. Now, I might do some episodes in the far future about specific cases, but for this one, I'm kind of discussing the theory along with a few cases, along with my own experiences. And it's just something I've always been fascinated in. I also like to hear, like, hosts' experiences on different podcasts or YouTube channels with the stuff they talk about. I don't know why I like it, but I do. If you're not someone that likes that, then I would just stop right after I'm done with the cases. Because then, I'm after the cases, I'm going to talk about my own experiences. But... If you do like that, then congratulations. I am going to talk a little bit too much about myself, so that should be interesting. I also feel like I have recorded a lot today. I did two normal episodes, and now I am doing this bonus episode, and it feels great to be getting it done, but I am ready for a nap, <laughs> so I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. It's just been a long week. But this is something I'm really fascinated in all the time, so I thought, you know, why not discuss it? I just watched another documentary on some of these cases, so it was the perfect time. If you don't follow me on Twitter, follow me at Great Unsolved. I posted a few threads about missing 411 cases last night, and I think I'm going to do the same tonight. So, you can read more on there. Anyways, let's jump into this theory. Historicmysteries.com says this, Missing 411 cases are a colloquial classification that documents missing persons cases that fit a number of criteria. Number one, the disappearance occurred in a national park, rural area, or large reserve of public land. Number two, there are exceptionally odd circumstances surrounding the disappearance. And number three, mental illness or voluntary disappearance does not appear to be the cause. The term 411 actually has its origins in an inconspicuous computer term that refused to data that cannot be found or a corrupted link. It is certainly an apt metaphor for the state of these individuals who have vanished. So David Paulides, Paulides. David something came up with this theory after working as a police officer for many years. Um, he's written a series of books on these cases, and there's also now a documentary out called Missing 411 that goes over some of the cases that the books go over. It is free on YouTube, and it's really a captivating documentary. 
he has never really given a theory as to what he thinks is the cause of these disappearances. Some people believe in supernatural causes like a Bigfoot or aliens or different realities. Some people believe there are serial killers hiding out in these areas and others believe with a lot of the children's cases that these are child predators hiding out which of course the woods seems like a perfect place for criminals to hide out because it's miles and miles with no one and when you do find someone it would be hard to track where they go. These disappearances often happen on well-known hiking trails or when someone looks away for just a minute. I thought it was kind of odd because some of these cases remind me of the movie Don't Blink. Terribly done movie. I, I did not like the movie. But the premise of it is if you blink, someone disappears. And that is seemingly all the time it takes for some of these disappearances. As you'll see when we go over some of them, people literally look away for a few seconds. They look back and the person who was just there is gone and they're not in the surrounding area at all. Like one of these cases, there was just a big field around where they went missing, like the immediate area, and they couldn't find the person at all, which seems so odd to me. So the National Park Service does not keep record of the people that go missing in these places, and therefore many of these cases are forgotten. Like I had no idea how many missing persons cases there were in national parks and rural areas in these types of places. They state that a list would take too long and cost far too much money, but I think it's something that needs to be done. Even if a lot of these cases are lost hope that you'll never find the body or something along those lines because of the wilderness, this list should be compiled at least to warn others about the dangers that may be lurking in the forests. Because these cases are very under-publicized, and it seems that the National Park Service doesn't really want people to think about this. But even without factors acting on you, such as a serial killer or supernatural factors or any of that, the woods is a very dangerous place. You can get hurt, you can get stranded, they, you can fall in a ravine, there's deadly animals... People should be aware of how many people go missing in these places. I am not someone who believes in the supernatural. I think scary stories and ghost stories are fun. I will read them and then move on. I am not someone who believes there are ghosts around me. I am not someone who believes, I don't know, just supernatural stuff. I don't believe in a lot of that. If I ever experience something supernatural, I'll totally believe in it, but I haven't yet. And just because of that, I am not as easily persuaded. Now, something such as Bigfoot, I'm going to sound crazy, might lose all credibility, but I think something like that could exist. I don't think it is a furry type of human walking around, but I do think that that kind of animal could exist because there's so much of the world we have not explored. There's so many places in the woods that is so far away from people. Any number of animals we don't know about could live out there. 
So it's a possibility there is a big animal that we have not discovered yet. I also think that aliens could be real. I do not think they're little green or gray guys on a saucer. I think more they are intelligent beings like ourselves. And the only reason that I think they could be plausible is space is huge and we have not discovered even a small part of it. It There has to be something else living out there. It's not just, I don't think it's just by random chance that we all appeared here on this stupid rock. I think somewhere else has to have life as well. So my dad was actually the first person to get me interested in these cases. Now, he didn't really refer to them as like missing 411 cases or anything like that. One night we were just sitting on the couch watching TV and he must have read an article or something because all of a sudden he asked if I had watched any videos on people going missing in national parks. Now, some background with this is that we both love unexplainable things. We binge watch ancient aliens or weird ghost story things and Bigfoot is something my dad likes to investigate. And that's kind of where my views about aliens and Bigfoot came from. They came from him because that's what he believes. He's a very literal person, but he thinks, based on statistics, these things could happen. So he asked me if I had watched any of those videos. And I said, no, I hadn't seen anything like that. And he started talking about how many cases there are of disappearances in national parks and places like that, and how the situations were so weird. He watches a certain YouTube channel, I think it's like Bedtime Stories, something, something along those lines, and they do like creepy videos, and that's how my dad got introduced to this theory, and it's just, it's very odd. So my family is a family that really loves nature, Like, our vacations are spent up north at my aunt and uncle's land because we're far away from civilization. It's just a nice, quiet place with nice people as neighbors, and there's a river, and it's great. Okay, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. A little story about that. So, my boyfriend, my dad, and I were on vacation, and everyone else had left in the middle of the week, and they were going to come back up for the next weekend. So it was just us three, and we were basically in that kind of subdivision, I guess you could call it. It's a subdivision where people just buy plots of lands, but there's not really a lot of houses. Um, So we're in there pretty much alone, because a lot of the people that own land there go home during the week and come up on weekends. It's like their vacation home. So we're standing by the fire. It was probably at least midnight, and... In all honesty, I had been drinking a little. Dad and my boyfriend had been drinking quite a bit more than me. And we were all standing there just talking and making like grilled cheese over the fire or something. And this light turns on from kind of a property that's kitty corner. But we knew the people weren't there because those were people we talked with often. And they had gone back to wherever they lived. So we knew they weren't there, and they never had a light in the backyard before, but a light just turned on. And my dad must have been like, 
not standing very sturdy because he was like, oh my goodness, it's moving. He's like, the light's moving. And I started freaking out because I was the most rational person at the time. I was like, we need to like get inside the camper because this person who's walking towards us with a light is going to kill us. And I was freaking out. So my dad went and got his gun from the camper and he filled up the ammo just in case something were to happen which freaked me out even more later afterwards he's like you didn't have to worry and I was like well you loaded your gun I was like obviously I wasn't the only worried one anyways after like a minute the light turned off and I have never been so scared in my life I like ran to the camper door before my dad or my boyfriend even realized what was going on and I was just, oh, I was terrified. Eventually, we found out it was a motion light that they had just installed. But it's just terrifying. Like, when you're in the middle of nowhere, everything is amplified. Because there's no sound. There's no city lights. So everything, like, you see in here is just like, oh my goodness, what could that be? There's no one around. Could it be, like, an animal trying to kill us? Or could it be someone who has foul play in mind? It's terrifying. Okay getting back on board. So more background with my dad is that he was a hunter from an early age and my grandparents used to have a place in the woods as well. So he had explored the woods since he was very little. My grandpa is, he was an insanely avid outdoors man when he was in his younger years. And like when I say they loved the woods, I mean they loved the woods. Like they didn't just hunt, they would just like walk around and do boring shit like that and they loved it their favorite thing that they did and still do is literally just driving through forests even if they all look the same like I fall asleep if I do that my grandpa drives down the road and he points out the different kinds of trees and flowers and birds and animals I'm like oh my goodness like he's 75 now and I couldn't even wish for a memory half as good as that guy he literally has specific directions stored in his mind that go to like hidden places that aren't on a map that you would never even find with directions. And these places are from his early 20s and he can navigate to them now at 75. Like he took us, well, my boyfriend and I also went on vacation with my grandparents this summer and we're in the car with grandpa and he would drive us all over and be like, yeah, we used to go there and there was this place. Then he would drive deep into the woods and be like, oh, look, we used to be here. And there's not even roads leading to it. I don't know how he remembers these places. It is ridiculous. My dad also knows like odd little places as well from learning from grandpa and like learning on his own. And it's just, it confuses me so much, but that kind of just amplifies like how easy it is to get lost and how weird it is in the woods. So going back to the vacation my dad and my boyfriend and I were on, we were driving around in a UTV probably about like 9 or 10 at night because that's when you see all the wildlife. And as I said, this is land in the middle of nowhere with only really kind people around, so it was really safe. And we would drive down to the river at night and you would see all the fish jumping and it was beautiful. But... We were randomly driving, and out of nowhere, my dad just says, I know places out here where no one would ever find a body. And I just kept on driving, 
he didn't acknowledge it at all. He just had to throw that in there for some reason. And I, that terrifies me. But once again, it shows how much, like, we don't know. Just to clarify, my dad's not a murderer. He would never kill someone. He helps, like, caterpillars off the sidewalk and shit. He could never kill someone. He's far too sensitive for that. Anyways, I added in this little backstory, which turned into a very long backstory, because, like, when my dad says something is odd in the woods, I know it's odd. With his knowledge combined with grandpa's, not many things in nature are weird to them. Like, they can explain away a bunch of different things that I'm like, why does that happen? I'm like, this seems really weird. And they're like, no, it's just this. It's fine. But these disappearances hit a chord with my dad. As I began to look at these cases, I found that there were not any of them under normal circumstances. And often, evidence would be found in places that were already searched, which always interests me. If you don't know, I have a book coming out in July of 2020, and it's connecting a lot of water deaths from the Midwest and Northeastern United States. And in a few of these cases, like, evidence appears after these areas were already searched. And that is always, like, so fascinating to me. Because either someone is taunting the police, or people didn't search as well as they said they did. And both are very problematic to a case, and that's why some of these cases interested me. So, if you do follow me on Twitter, I know Wednesday night I posted a thread about Dior Kungs Jr., who went missing in Timber Creek Campground in Idaho in 2015. This was a case that really interested me. So this was a little two-year-old boy. He was camping with his parents, his grandfather, and his grandfather's friend. Eventually, he was left with his grandfather, and the grandpa states that he looked away for only a minute, and when he looked back, Dior was gone. So I want to mention that the parents did not know the grandpa's friend prior to this trip, which makes many skeptical, including myself. When the parents left Dior with grandpa, They were following his friend to the creek that was only a few yards away. I know if you look at the case, you can find like a map out of the campground. And it's literally the creek and like a little area with their camper and all that. So it's really not far at all. Eventually, the grandpa's friend walked downstream towards the campground. When Dior Sr., which is Dior Jr.'s father, went back to camp to get fishing gear, The friend came back towards the fishing spot where the mother still was, and Dior Sr. said that little Dior was nowhere to be seen. So this friend disappeared for a little bit, and when he came back, their son was missing, which makes a lot of people skeptical there. The grandpa has had memory loss and is not in the best physical shape, which many believe points to him not being able to do anything to the child or even recall what actually happened. Some people believe he may have went into his camper and left the child outside alone for a long enough period of time for someone to grab him, and either he's denying it or he just doesn't remember. The parents are also suspected here because the mother's 911 call did not sound very panicked. Before I talk about that, I just want to say, I know everyone deals with trauma differently, 
but I don't know. It just, it did seem weird. Like, if you listen to it, it doesn't sound like someone who just lost her child. She calmly stated that she lost her son and where they were at, etc. And at this time, Dior Sr. was driving down the road to try and get better service to call 911. This confused me, too. If she was already on the phone with 911, why did he feel the need to go drive and get better service? And just... It seems odd that he drove to get better service. Okay, the location where he stopped to call has not been, like, publicly released. But a lot of people believe that the police should search that area because maybe Dior Sr. was not just going to get better service. Maybe he was hiding the body of his son. There is a possibility that them both calling 911 meant they both had somewhat of an alibi for that time. And... He could easily disguise driving to hide a body as driving to get better cell service in this area. The parents did also also did not go for media attention, which was odd. So normally when someone's child is missing, most parents want to be on Nancy Grace, want to be on Good Morning America, want to be on all the news channels, so that they have so many more people looking for their children as possible. Because that's really the way to finish off these cases. If people are all looking for this child, he's more likely to be found. However, to this day, Dior Jr. has not been found. Now we're going to jump back to 1988 in the Pike National Forest of Colorado. Dr. Maurice Dametz, Dametz went with his friend, another topaz hunter named David at Kroger, shopping with pickup and delivery is the same as shopping in-store. Same low prices, deals, and rewards on the same high-quality items. It's one small click for groceries, one big win for busy families everywhere. Start your cart today at Kroger.com. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Sherry. And their plan for the day was, obviously, to look for Topaz. Maurice had bad knees, so he needed help from David to get to his dig spot. But once he was there and on the ground, he got comfortable and it was easy for him to work. So after David helped Maurice get to his spot, David wanted to find his own spot to dig, and that's often what they did. Apparently they had done this multiple times, and this is always how it went. As it got later in the day, David went and told Maurice that in 10 minutes they would leave. However, when David went back 10 minutes later, Maurice was gone along with his tools. But as I mentioned, he had bad knees, so it wasn't really plausible that he would have gotten up and left on his own. However, David thought, you know, maybe somehow he miraculously got back to the car and was waiting for David. So David walked back to the car, but found Maurice was not by the car. Police were called in. Everybody started searching. After days of thorough searching, 
Maurice was not found, his tools were not found, and there was, like, no evidence leading to him that was found. There were no pieces of clothing or anything. So the theory became that he met foul play and had most likely been carried out of the area. Because there was no blood or flesh or pieces of clothing around, an animal attack was pretty much counted out because there are telltale signs of animal attacks. Keith Parkins disappeared in Ritter, Oregon of 1952 and he is one of the missing 411 cases that had a victim survive. He was two years old at the time and wandered off after leaving the barn with his brothers. So I think the story was him and his two older brothers had gone into their family barn because there were new baby cows and they wanted to go see them. And then the two brothers went back to the house and Keith had decided he was going to go around the barn and then come back to the house for some reason. And I'm not blaming these little boys because they're just little kids. They don't get it. They were probably like, oh yeah, go around the barn and come back. And then they went to the house. That's not their fault. However, searches were done immediately and no one could find Keith. The next day, he was found face down without his jacket on and without his hat on, but alive somehow. He had scratches all over his face. And they kind of found a pathway of where he went from the family home. From where he disappeared to where they found footprints of his to where he was found was about 12 miles. So this had a lot of people asking, how did a two-year-old walk that far alone? Not to mention the terrain was awful. And even Survivor Man, Les Stroud, I think that's how you pronounce it. He even tried to walk the path in the same time period, and such as Keith. And it's shown how difficult it was for even a well-traveled adult to walk that path. I mean, someone named Survivor Man could not walk this path in the same conditions that Keith would have walked this path. So we don't know what really happened. Keith states he can't remember what happened. And he was only glad that he was found, and nothing more has ever come of it. Jared Adadero lived with his father and sister in Colorado. They lived at a resort where his father worked, and at this time, there was a Christian singles group that had traveled there. One day, the group was going to go on a hike, and Alan, who was Jared's father, stated that Jared's older sister could go, and because of that, then, of course, Jared wanted to go as well. I'm sure he was asking, you know, why can't I go if she gets to go? And all the cliche little things that kids ask. So, they all went, and I believe the singles were going to a fish hatchery, if I'm remembering right. But instead of doing that, they drove 15 miles further up the road and decide to go for a hike, which is not what the father of these kids agreed to, and not what the singles group said they were going to do, which would be fine if it was just a singles group, but they have two random kids with them, so they shouldn't be making, like, on-the-call calls, on-the-move calls, whatever you call it. I can't think of the right words right now, and I'm not going to try. Anyways... So the group went on the hike, and at one point, 
they could not find Jared anymore. So they eventually tried to look around everywhere, and once they exhausted their options, they had to go let Alan know and call officials to come in and search. Four years after he went missing, two hikers found some pieces of clothing in a very rocky area. Along with these clothes, they found a piece of skull and a tooth. There was no evidence of an animal attack because there was no blood, and the clothes were in good condition. It wasn't shredded to pieces like it should have been. Also, it was an odd place that a kidnapper would bring a kid, and Jared would not have been able to get up there on his own, because it was even hard for the two seasoned hikers to get up there on their own. The last case I want to talk about is Stephen Kubaki. He was found a year after he disappeared cross-country skiing in Michigan. He went missing in February of 1978, and his skis and poles were found abandoned. Even creepier than finding, like, these abandoned personal items was noting that his tracks stopped where the skis were abandoned. So just imagine you are walking down the street, I don't know, and there's normal footprints in the snow, and then they just stop. There's not footprints of someone turning around. There's not evidence of the footprints being messed up from someone turning around. And there's no other, like, way the footprints were going. So it just seems like they disappeared literally into thin air. So that left people wondering what happened to him. When he turned up 15 months later, he couldn't recall what happened. He just said, when I woke up, I was in a field that was like 35 miles away from my father's house, and he was wearing clothes that weren't his. He also had a backpack that contained maps and such that were not his either. He's never been able to recall what happened, and he didn't even know all this time had gone by. He thought it was a very short time period. All he could give officials was that he felt like he had been running. That is basically the piece of information he has. Okay, now you guys get to learn a little bit more about my life. So, I want to start with, like, the story that creeps me out the most. So, I went to Standing Rock. Oh my goodness, I can't even remember the name. It's in, like, northern, like, mid-Illinois. Starving Rock. It's called Starving Rock. I went to that place, and my boyfriend and I went on apparently the hottest day in the summer, because it was miserable. This was, like, a year and a half ago. So not this past summer, but the summer before. And we just wanted to go walk the trails. So we started walking the trails, and... It was beautiful. We had a good time walking through there. And after like two hours, out of nowhere, we ended up in like a random spot. Now, once again, I don't believe in supernatural things. I believe we walked to this spot. But when we were at this spot, like we just suddenly got hit with like, we don't know where we are. We're lost. So I was trying to find it on the map we had. It was, it was not, I couldn't find it. I, like, backtracked on the map 
to where I last remember us being, and it just didn't make sense how we got to that area, because that where we were last didn't connect to this area, and I honestly couldn't find where it connected to. There were no signs, like, we had to have gotten off the main trail somehow, because I couldn't see any signs and before that there were tons of signs there also wasn't the normal like boardwalk type thing that they had on a lot of the main trails or the main trail that they had it was like a dirt path now that was way overgrown with weeds and it was just kind of disturbing so we're standing there trying to like look behind us see where we might have come from but it's like just still an overgrown area and that's how it is in front of us and to the sides it's got to be like really dense forest like beautiful but almost like a creepy forest like it was dense and it didn't look like anyone had walked through there in years that's how overgrown it was and we had no idea how we got here so we eventually just started walking And it seemed like it took us far too long to get out of this area. It just, like, before that, it didn't seem like we were that far from where the trailhead would be or where, like, the parking lots and stuff would be. But as we started walking, we could not find our way back. And it was just a complete, like, mess. Eventually, we somehow got onto the road And we had to take the road back to the parking lot, which was much further than I thought we walked. It just, it didn't seem like the trails we walked measured up to the distance of the road we had to walk. I know I'm being kind of like cryptic and confusing with this, but basically like the time didn't add up for these things. The length of walking didn't add up. We don't know how we got there, and there was, like, no plausible way to get there. Nothing, like, crazy happened. Like, we didn't see anything, or, like, no one tried to kill us or anything like that. But it was just a very odd experience of ending up somewhere we weren't walking to. And not just getting lost, but, like, completely not being on the map of the trails anymore. I don't know if it's like, I don't know. I don't really know the theories about missing 411, and I don't know if that's something people have gone through, but I believe it was a weird experience. So going back to all the way when I was like seven, maybe, seven or eight, I'm almost 21 now, so that was a little while ago. My grandparents and I would always go on a summer vacation, and that year we went to Smoky Mountains National Park, which I would love to live in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. That was the prettiest town with the prettiest national park I've ever seen. It was, like, just perfect. That's my goal, just to move to Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and not talk to anyone ever again. Anyways, when we went into national park we like because we went in there every day we were there for like a week and first few days we went in and we took like the main 
routes that everyone did. I know we went hiking and actually ran into relatives of ours on the hiking trail, and they were on their way down to Disney World, and it was just weird because you never think you're going to run into people in a random spot in Tennessee when none of you are from Tennessee, but we did, and that hiking trail was filled with people, and we also went to like one of the wildlife parts and saw a ton of buffalo and there were cars all around us and we saw like black bears in the wild but all these times there was a lot of people around us and then one day it was like a really nice day out and we drove into the national park again and we ended up at like an old creepy school slash cemetery which seems odd but I even thought it was one of like the marked off like monument places or something on the national park map but there was no one there which was odd because like when we drove into the park there were a lot of people but as we kept driving it thinned out a lot and I don't remember us being that early either it was just it thinned out weirdly and we were the only people there and as I said it was nice but as we like got out of the car and stuff there was like a misty like fog that started and that could have just been the heat and humidity mixed with like dew I don't know it freaked me out as a kid there was tombstones we were at a cemetery slash schoolhouse I did not like it so there was just an uneasy feeling around there and even like the cemetery there was like the normal part and then like the way older part with like the broken tombstones that's in like a broken fence in like overgrown trees something that would still freak me out if I stumbled upon it but after that we ended up walking like a little ways down the road and we got to like a really small creek with just extremely dense forest on one side like it got dark in there because the trees build the canopy and it gets dark I know that's a natural thing, but as a kid, it was dark in there. And even now, I think that would freak me out if I was standing in the sunlight and then I looked across like a tiny creek and it was like pitch black. I'd be like, what can be in there? What is watching me from in there right now? But as we like hung out around there, the sky like literally split Like, half of it was black, and half of it was, like, bright blue and sunny. And I know my grandma has pictures somewhere, and I'm going to find them when I go home for Christmas. Because I want to post on Twitter exactly what I mean. Because when I say it split, it was, like, just a line of where it was black to where it was sunny. And I've never seen that happen before. Like, I've seen storms roll in and dark clouds roll in, but never like that and I don't know if it was just paired with the places we had been that day and the lack of literally anyone or any animals around us I mean it was silent where we were there was nothing over there and if there was it was sleeping (laughs) I don't know if it was all that paired together that really set that in my mind as a weird national park experience but I don't know. It just didn't feel right. And I'm kind of someone who goes with my gut feelings. Like if someone walks in a room and I'm like, no, right away, like I'll leave. 
because my gut feelings have been right so far in my life. So I don't see a reason to not listen to them. And this was a time where I just got a really uneasy gut feeling. There is just one more thing I kind of want to go over. And it's not like... It's not like a national park thing. It's more like a rural area, like weird coincidence. I don't know. Just listen and tell me what you think. So I had to have been in elementary school because this was a long time ago when I was friends with someone who I think I was only friends with in elementary school. We went, her parents were divorced, so we went with her mom for the night, I believe. And her mom had a boyfriend that lived in like a rural area in like farmlands so we went out there and he had two sons so we all hung out and played like games and you know all that fun stuff anyways we ended up like going out at like 10 p.m into like the fields because the boys wanted to go catch worms so we ended up doing that which is a normal like weird kid thing but like, I don't know. It was a long time ago, so I can't say for certain. But, it like, the whole time, it felt like someone was watching us. And, like, we knew it wasn't either of the parents, because we could see them close to a fire that was at the back of the house. And, like, we could see them not looking towards us. But it felt like someone was watching us, and someone was just getting closer you kind of feel like that impending doom sense I don't know how to explain it better but you feel like something bad's gonna happen because you can just feel that bad experience like inching closer like someone taking footsteps and like that caused me to go inside right away so we all ended up going inside and then for the rest of the night it kind of felt like someone was just standing out of view from like the windows or a door or something it felt like someone was just outside of them just enough to where we couldn't see them or hear them and that is like I felt safe with that family I don't it wasn't any of them it was like something else that was kind of there and I don't know that's still something that like I'll have like a nightmare about that once in a while I'll wake up after a nightmare of me sitting in that living room like feeling someone standing right outside the front door or right outside like the picture window and it freaks me out okay I'm I'm done ranting about like my weird experiences um they might not make any sense but I thought maybe if I talked them out it would make more sense in my mind and maybe I would get a little clarification on what any of them could mean if you have any idea please contact me through like twitter at great unsolved if you're like oh this is what it is or that's what happened to you or something just let me know, because I'm not well-versed in all the areas of unexplained things. I'm more into unsolved crime. I don't know about all the other aspects. So let me know 
and be sure to follow me on Twitter. And we will be back Tuesday with a normally scheduled episode. Good time starts with a great wardrobe. Next stop, JCPenney. Family get-togethers to fancy occasions, wedding season too. We do it all in style. Dresses, suiting, and plenty of color to play with. Get fixed up with brands like Liz Claiborne, Worthington, Stafford, and J. Farrar. Oh, and thereabouts for kids. Super cute and extra affordable. Check out the latest in-store. And we're never short on options at jcp.com. All dressed up, everywhere to go. JCPenney. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.